Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Chris Delano. And we don't have any news, I don't think, at least. There's like nothing happening in Magic right now. We're in like a weird, weird this is lull. Like, this is like a one week lull where nothing is happening. Because uh, we have uh, Magic on Vegas up next weekend and i expect to see something or other about something or other there they wouldn't have the big fancy world championship and not announce something right yeah i mean like i'm expecting as is traditional some sort of like sneak peek of ixalan or something like that yeah um Uh, i haven't actually looked at the uh panel list but that would be something a smart person does uh, to look and see what kinds of things might be coming down the pipeline in the future. Um, again, not something I, a not smart person, did. Um, but we should be getting uh, Doctor Who previews sometime soon-ish, I think. Because those are out in like October, and we're halfway through September. Don't Don't say that. We're not halfway through September. We're halfway through September. Uh, um because time isn't real uh and time, you can tell time isn't real because we don't have anything on our schedule after this week <laughs> so it's not real <laughs> um so i we're gonna have to have uh you know a sit down and uh figure out what the hell we're recording uh so that's fun that's fun lots of fun things happening Eldraine's out now now though i did get to play a little at home pre-release bit i opened to kellen he's a good boy Ooh um did y'all pre-release at all no i haven't i haven't bought any wilds of eldraine yet period and i need to because i do love this set i think it's very very fun and cute i think my goal for this weekend is to pick up the fairy deck uh because i've always wanted a blue black fairies commander deck yeah unfortunately i was unable to play in the pre-releases uh listed my house up for sale that friday and was house shopping over the weekend just never got around to playing it so um so i i have not bought a house before uh so i i would like to ask for some advice brian in case i do uh now do you recommend opening a house booster or just buying single rooms on the market well like the secondary market like normally when it comes to magic cards i'd recommend doing the singles bit but i don't think that works out too well with uh houses so I okay think, i think you need to just like buy a pre-con and like if you are unhappy with certain aspects of it you can upgrade it but the, the core of the deck needs to be or the core of the house needs to be to your liking as it is before you try to buy the add-ons to so so it. i so i can't just rent like four or five apartments and put them on the same lot and say i own a house now no, I mean, I guess technically you could with trailers, but I don't recommend that. Video games are lying to me. I don't know how well <laughs> this 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 you know uh, analogy will work here, but I, if buying a house is like playing magic, I mean, like one of the most important things when you're building a magic deck is a good foundation. So you should figure out the like base that you're putting your house on and make sure it's good. That's the, my the, my yeah. The land that you buy your house, yeah the the ha- the land that you buy your house on is very important. So, yeah, definitely. So, so not Sinkhole Valley. 
Correct. That that's just just, just a bad choice. You're setting up. Uh, up I have a real bird of fire, but uh, <laughs> we can do that after the episode. Uh, we're doing flavor gems tonight. <laughs> this intro's gone on long enough. Uh, this is what happens when we don't have things to talk about at the beginning. Uh, flavor gems. Uh, I don't know that flavor gems needs much of an explanation. We're going to talk about the flavorful cards from this set, Wilds of Eldrain. Uh, there's a bunch of very cute cards that make me smile. Um, so we're going to start talking about characters uh, who have cards from the story uh, and go over the story spotlights and then talk about some of the cool other cards uh, in the set, which has... Uh, we're, we're mostly going to be skipping a lot of the very basic fairy tale resonant cards. Like, we talked last week about these archetypical story things that the set is riffing on like i don't need to tell you that the cinderella card is cinderella right that's pretty obvious but her name isn't cinderella it's ash yeah it's very ash. different <laughs> and so well here's the thing chris if we you did type out a list of oh, like all all 10 archetypes and all the cards that fit into those stories and it's like 30 cards. <laughs> yeah, if you want to see that list, it's on our Discord channel. Uh, it is on our Discord server, which you can get access to by supporting us at patreon.com slash LaVorthoscast. See, we can just shove it in the middle of the episode yeah. sometimes instead of the end. We should really do it at the beginning, though. But we used to, and we stopped. And it's the fine. important part is we're not talking about all the little cards about all the little stories because we'll be here for 17 hours. I know some people would like listening to that. But frankly, that's too long to record. So we're not doing that. Um, uh, instead, we're going to start talking about characters, the flavor, gems. Uh, I, this is not the first set we have behind the scenes. Just call them flavor gems. J-I-M-S. Instead of no. gems. For, for many sets in a row, I was changing up the spelling of gems uh, to various different permutations good g-y-m-s j-y-m-s j-i-m-s just you know however it felt all right ashiok wicked manipulator this time is a mono black card instead of a blue black card we've seen uh this happen to planeswalkers before where sometimes a character who debuted in two colors will be printed again as one color or sometimes different colors or sometimes a character printed in one color will gain an additional color and sometimes this is just, re sometimes it's representing like major story moments, right? We have seen Nyssa dip into blue through some self-reflective meditations that happened on Kaladesh that manifested on Amonkhet. We also saw her dip into black when she is pulling on uh, some of the the swampy ego crap defending Zendikar against its other protector because Zendikar Rising was a hell of a set. Um, for Ashiok, I, you know, I, I think I don't, wouldn't read into not having blue uh, on the card here. Uh, you know, don't, I would not read into that as like a flavorful thing. Um, I love that we have another Ashiok that makes nightmare tokens uh, that are very different than um then uh 
Is it just the last one? I think it was. I think it was. I think only the. Yeah, the original one did not. The original one stole creatures from your opponent. Did not make nightmare tokens. Yeah. Which in itself was kind of a nightmare, but you know. <laughs> uh, card was card is cool. Uh, I OG Ashiok is a weird card that I think rules actually. Yeah. Uh, I like that this one still plays in the exile space. Ashiok, you know, when we talk about planeswalker cards and mechanical identities, uh, doing interesting things with exiling cards is cool, and Ashiok does that. Also, uh, Raymond Swanland is my favorite magic artist, uh, and it's so great to see more of his work. Uh, this is not the first time he has illustrated Ashiok either. Uh, so cool to see him back uh, uh, inking this character. Yeah, there's also an alternate art for Ashiok that is just incredible. It's, it's real good. The artist for that one is also an incredibly talented artist, Serena Malion, who uh, did, who's mostly done like booster fun art, um, did that incredible Rona Shieldred's Faithful for March of the Machine. Um, she did the new uh, Bitter Blossom for uh the enchanting tales art which has got the adorable fairy and a little a little flower petal um but yeah anyways if you if you see art you like go check out other stuff the artist has done because most artists do more than one piece for magic and they do really good work so yeah i recently saw a mountain goat reprint by this artist john darnell can you point me to more of uh his other magic arts uh, you know, I can't point you to more magic arts, but he did write a lot of flavor text specifically for this card called Mountain. Um, and uh, he's written books and stuff. I don't know what else he's done. This is a bit. John Darnell is the singer of the band The Mountain Goats. And also a big magic fan. He just had a secret lair thing happen. Anyway, uh, Chris, tell us about the twins. Yeah, the twins are back. Our de-sparked um, little babies. So I thought it was funny because most every flavor gems, we start with the Planeswalkers. Um, but this set only has one Planeswalker card um, and then has two de-sparked Planeswalkers. And they have their little de-sparked symbol in the, the watermark. So we're continuing that as a trend from March of the Machine Aftermath. Uh, but yeah, this this time around, we get uh, Rowan, Scion of War, and Will, Scion of Peace. Their names are a play on... Uh, their first Planeswalker card, the the Royal Scions, or their first combined Planeswalker card, the Royal Scions, uh, from the previous Throne of Eldraine set. Uh, this time, they've both added a new color each. So Rowan now has black in her color identity, and Will has white. Uh, this is sort of reflecting the role that they're playing in the story now, uh, with Rowan sort of becoming a bit of a... Um, a wild card going off on her own, acting very solitary, thinking that she has to solve the problem herself, and will sort of becoming the uniter of all of the uh, various peoples of Eldraine after the Phyrexian invasion. Uh, some really fun things about their cards this time around is that not only do they each have a new color, uh, but they also each have a uh, ability. So Rowan has Menace, Will has Vigilance, which are pretty interesting if you think about them diametrically opposed uh, abilities um, and then both of them have a tap ability that let you cast spells for cheaper uh, specifically Rowan lets you cast black and red spells for x less where x is the amount of lost life that you have lost in a turn uh, and will lets you 
cast white and blue spells for X last, where X is the amount of life you've gained that turn. Um, and also their power and toughness are switches of each other. Inverses, I guess is the proper word. Uh, Rowan is a 4-2 and Will is a 2-4. So I just, I find it really cool how they went through the process of designing these two cards to be just polar opposites of each other by mirroring each other and not being incredibly different cards, but by having the same abilities, but expressed in different ways. Um, yeah, really cool designs. Just makes me sad that, that Rowan is so far off the reservation, but they're such perfect mirrors of each other. It's great story. Don't worry, Rowan. I am here as a fellow messy queer powered by trauma <laughs> to say that you're doing a good job and I support you. Uh, I the, the menace and vigilance thing I think is really delightful because menace uh, expressed in gameplay terms is an ability that is very aggressive. You want to be swinging in if you have menace because you're hard to block. Uh, that's the only thing it can do well is attack. If you have menace, like you better be swinging. Uh, and then Vigilance is also an ability that makes you want to attack, but it does it in a way that feels defensive. And I love that about this like way that they express the personality, that Rowan has more power, but she's got to make herself vulnerable by being tapped, and also because she only has two toughness, while Will uh, is kind of got lower power, but he has defense on his side. He knows how to protect himself. You you telling you telling me there's flavor gems in this goddamn card, James? <laughs> I'm saying that the people who design magic cards are thinking about this stuff, and so we should it's also good. be thinking about this stuff. It's good. I love these two cards. Uh, they're some of my favorite designs in the set for all the reasons that we just talked about. Agreed. We have a bunch of new characters though, as well. Yeah, there's there's some new faces. Actually, the primary like. Most of the characters in this set are new, which I think is really cool. Let's start off with Kellen, the Fae-Blooded. Like, he's <laughs> he's a perfect little cinnamon roll who's too good for this <laughs> world. Uh, and he takes up this quest, as we've read in the story. And, like, I love how they gave him double strike to symbolize the two little uh, weapons thing uh, that he was given by Talion that he had no idea what to do with until he absolutely positively needed them. Um, so it's, and, and the adventure side is called Birthright Boon, which is just, like, I, I just, the flavor on this card is great. Like, the people who design these cards for this set just really did a great job. I, I like that we have Human Fairy on his type line. I am a, big believer that human should be on Radha's type line, but uh, people apparently don't agree with me because we keep getting elf Radha's. Uh, yeah, I I like <laughs> a lot of people joked about yet another aura and equipment Boros commander, but also like literally Italian gives Kellen basket hilts equipment that he then makes blades of Fae magic from his magical parenthood and aura and and like it's literally perfect design space for the character 
even though it is yes yet another boros aura and equipment commander um but cards cards cool and i like that he has an adventure because he's an adventurous little scamp he literally goes on an adventure in the story so like of course he has an adventure we also get ruby daring tracker uh she is one of the 10 uncommon like fairy tale characters uh but she also like plays a major role in the story um Uh she goes from being like what you would think is like a limited signpost card to being a, a major player in the story um All I can say to you is that you need to read the story. She's really fun and is a great character. Uh, And is kind of like the hero of episode four. Um, And I love her. But um, she uh, she's a red green one, two that plays around in the space of uh, playing with big creatures. She creates mana. Um, My favorite thing is that she's got a bunch of apples in a basket and she definitely uses them in combat as shown in the uh the story but also like in some of the card art she's throwing out apples so i too have played pokemon snap (laughs) (laughs) wow who among us has not bonked an innocent little sleeping pokemon on the noggin with a piece of fresh fruit yeah i don't abuse pokemon unlike some people liar All right. There's not much else to say about Ruby. I feel like she was her card is designed as a signpost uncommon for limited. Yeah. Um, and that's all I can really say. Like she's a really cool character in the story, but her card is not particularly um, interesting design for the character from the story. But there's there's a bunch of fun characters, including a uh, Troyan. We have a card for Troyan who also shows up in the story is another limited uh signpost uncommon he's the jack and the beanstalk of the the set uh he he's he also taps to add mana this is something i did not notice about the two cards of ruby and troyan both tapping to add mana um ironically enough they both tap to add green blue and also red so they tap to make the colors of another character i'm losing my train of thought here Anyways, Troyan's a Vidalcan. That's fun. He's a Vidalcan scout. He's on Eldraine. There's no other Vidalcans on this plane. He's very special. That we know of. That we know of. So far. Yeah, I I like that he gets to be this adventure little mana dork. It's very Vidalcan of him. I like him. I like him. He's not from here. You know who is from here, though? And by here, I mean Eldraine, but who is from the wonderful little mind of K. Arsenal Rivera, author of this set story, is Imadane the Pyrohammer, who has her own card in the set uh, based on the character from the story. Uh, She's there with her wooden arm and her massive flaming hammer and scarred face and big, beefy, butchy dikey grin it's she's perfect um and she just does more damage yeah. when you when you blast a target with a burn spell she also burns all your opponents 
She has one brain cell, and it is what if there was more fire? And we appreciate this about her. Uh, this is also, like, probably why she fails a lot in the story, but, uh, I also like the, when, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, and, uh, one, that one track-mindedness, uh, that she has in the story and on the card all fits with that theme, and it's very good, and I'm glad she exists. Yeah, I think it's very fun, because she's one of the very few legendary creatures in the set who are not attached directly to a fairy tale story um, yeah her whole place in this set is basically her role in the main story like that's mm-hmm. it's very unusual because most of the time the card sets are designed really far ahead and we don't typically see a card in the set that's designed for a role player in the story who's not like a major character but that's kind of what emma dane is she just plays a role in the story as like the opposition mm-hmm. to Will. Um, and that's how she gets a card. She's not part of like any bigger cycle. She's not involved in any of the fairy tales. She's just in the set as part of the story. And I like that. She's here for the sapphics. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Speaking of sapphics. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> we have three witches. Uh, they're great. They're mean. Uh, actually, one of them is not mean. but One of them is very yeah. sweet. Took her. I mean, she killed a lot of people, but she's yeah. very sweet. I support women's wrongs, as we've established. Uh, but we're not going to start with that. We're going to start with Ariette of the Charmed Apple. Uh, so each of the witches got a gift from um, Talion uh, in order to help them cast the Wicked Slumber spell to deal with Phyrexia. And so, so each... Each of the witches has a card, and then each of them also have. There's also an artifact of their gift. So we have Ariette of the Charmed Apple, and then we also have Ariette's Tempting Apple as a card. Um, Ariette's all about manipulating people's minds. So Ariette's Tempting Apple is a threaten effect that is also a food. Uh, but, you know, it's the classic witch's poison apple, so it can also make someone lose life instead of just you gaining life. Uh, and I love her card. Uh, you slap an aura on an opponent's creatures and they are pacified against you, <laughs> specifically. Um, I This is such a fun way of playing with auras, of you're encouraging you to enchant your opponent's creatures, using this as, like, a controlling thing to manipulate gameplay like she rules this card rules uh that's just ariette who wants to sit in her throne and control her little minions uh and have everyone love her so great she's gonna be a very fun commander because uh, i have a friend who's like obsessed with building the perfect curses commander deck um and he's mm-hmm. been struggling to find the right commander because curses are across all different colors. Um, but he mentioned wanting to build just a black-white curse deck with Ariette just because you get the option of, like, every aura you cast is also kind of a curse. You know? You throw yeah. an aura on an opponent's creature and it's like, you're, you know, I'm safe from you now, but I'm hurting everyone else at the table. She also has the second effect that drains life, um... Uh, based on the number of auras you control, 
And curses are still auras. So even if mm-hmm. you don't play into much into the enchanting enemy creatures, you can she still synergizes with curses. Um, yeah, no, she's great. I think this card is phenomenal in terms of like mechanical designs and like you know we talk about Kellen is yet yet another Boros aura and equipment commander. Area is a commander that creates a deck archetype that we really haven't seen before. Um, and when you get like a thousand new commanders printed every year, which is too many, um, <laughs> it's nice to see some new space opened up like that. Yeah. Uh, we also have Agatha of the Vile Cauldron um, and her, she's, you know, got the mythic artifact, by the way, uh, in Agatha's Soul Cauldron. Um, I don't find her design to be particularly, like, as a card to make a lot of sense in terms of the story um, or her character. Uh, she has activated abilities of creatures you control, cost X less, less to activate, where X is Agatha the Vile Cauldron's power. Uh, this effect can't reduce the mana in that cost to less than one mana. Uh, and she has an activated ability of four red green other creatures you control get plus one plus one and gain trample and haste until end of turn uh and she is a one one for red and a green so just two mana um so her ability already starts out only costing you five mana instead of six because she has one power um she feels very much like a commander card built to like or just like a a card built to play in like an interesting like activated abilities build uh but doesn't say a lot about her character now her soup her soup bowl says a lot about her the soul <laughs> cauldron um you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to activate abilities of creatures you control uh creatures you control with plus one plus one counters on them have all activated abilities of all creature cards exiled with agatha's soul cauldron and you can tap exile a card from a graveyard uh, when it's a creature, you put a plus one plus one counter on another creature you control. So her cauldron lets you eat your creatures to become stronger. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very on brand. Yeah. Her whole thing is, hey, if you cook someone, you can steal their power. Um, And I think you get a little bit of that in her card. But yeah, the cauldron is really where you see her whole shtick laid out really really flavorfully um i like how well the two cards play with each other Mm -hmm. um obviously uh i think um one of the most important things for each of these designs is having the artifacts play well with the witches that own them uh and i i think these two are my favorite synergy um even if i think agatha is the least what's the word i want to use resonant design uh, mechanically. But then we have one of the most mechanically resonant pairs of cards in the set. Uh, and and that is Hilda of the Icy Crown and Hilda's, Hilda's Crown of Winter. Uh, Hilda is the Snow Witch. Um, whenever you tap an untapped creature and opponent controls, you may pay one. When you do, choose one. Create a 4-4 white and blue elemental creature token. You know, like the frost elemental she guards her palace with. Put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. You know, like powering up the icy guardians with wind and stuff. Scry two, then draw a card. Uh, There is another card in the set that is her 
with like a scrying ice mirror thing. Um, also, she's so pretty. Uh, <laughs> she's got a little like telepathy thing in the story too. So yeah, yeah. yeah she, I mean, she she speaks into people's heads with uh magic, and then uh, Hilda's Crown of Winter is kind of an icy manipulator that you can also sacrifice to uh, a kind of an icy only targets creatures. <laughs> so. <laughs> The Icy Manipulator targeting lands is the thing that makes Icy Manipulator a messed up card sometimes. Uh, you can also use it to uh, draw a card for each type of creatures your opponents control, which is... There are commander games where sometimes that's like 30 cards. <laughs> yeah, kind of insane. The thing I love about that is you sacrifice it to do it, which is uh, kind of like, in a way, uh, Hilda in the story realizing... That she has to throw mm-hmm. aside the crown in order to to mm-hmm. finally, uh, you know, be happy. So uh, she she gets to survive. Uh, Agatha obviously gets murdered, uh, <laughs> and uh, Hilda survive. You know, Ariette goes to prison, but uh, Hilda willingly gives up the crown, and I think that's uh, again a, a very good uh, version of this. Um, yeah, uh, and then. Uh, the notable nobles uh, rounding out our characters from the stories. We have Talion, the kindly lord, who is the leader of the High Fae. They are the one who sends uh, Kellen on his little quest. Uh, and also the one trying to fix the whole sleeping spell problem because it's gotten out of their hands because they made a bad deal with bad people. Oops. Uh, and uh, we have Baluna Grand Squall, who is rambunctious storm giant who lives in the clouds and collects artifacts uh, and is very smug and is the teamer adventure commander uh, and I, I I think that card is great. I think she's a fun character. Um, when you live in a world full of tropes, she is the character who is very trope savvy in the I'm going to collect the tropey things type way. Uh, and I think that's cool. She she too would be a uh, gym connoisseur, um, <laughs> like us on this podcast currently. Uh, the thing I wanted to say earlier is that she is she is a teamer card. Her adventure costs two green, blue, and red, and that's important because you can pay for the green, the blue, and the red just by tapping Ruby and Troyan. So they are, which is fun because they. That's how Kellen gets to meet her is through the help of Ruby and Troyan. They yeah they seek thrills together. Uh-huh. Anyways, <laughs> these are like little flavorful resonant things in my mind. They probably mean nothing to most of you, but I think it's fun. Uh, and that's the characters. Uh, let's talk about story spotlights, but also kind of quickly. Yeah, uh, I can do my patented run through the story spotlights if we yeah. want to. Um, the first story uh, spotlight I- card. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's also uh, very important. Uh, you have put parentheticals next to each of these cards. Um, I, I sure have. <laughs> those are important. I will. Okay. I will remember that. The um, the first card uh, it is Glass Casket. It's a reprint. It's just talking about the Wicked Slumber. I don't know why it's a story spotlight, but okay. Um, to establish and- <laughs> the Wicked Slumber, which is an important part for the setting of the set. I guess we had Wicked Slumber in March of the Machine. They could just put that card in here. Um, anyways, 
Uh, then we have Stone Splitter Bolt, which is uh, Kel- or Rowan's girl power moment at the beginning of the story when she literally cuts a mountain in half because Rowan is girl bossing her way all to, to hell. Um, uh, the next story spotlight card, Into the Fey Court. This is Kellen's first time uh, meeting Talion. So this is when Kellen goes off and starts his adventure when he meets the kindly Lord. Um, then we're going to go and cut straight to Witchstalker Frenzy. Uh, this is the uh, big bad Peter the Wolf card. This is when Kellen and Ruby run into uh, a bunch of witch, witch stalkers and sick them on uh, who is Ruby's brother, but she doesn't know at the time, uh, the wolf knight that they meet. Um, then we have Feed the Cauldron, uh, or as I called it, Oops All Agathas, because Kellen pushes her into a bowl of soup. Um, and then some for some reason, Agatha melts. Uh, I don't know what she was cooking, but it was very solvent. Um, she is also a witch. Yeah, we know witches don't like getting wet, um, which poses a lot of questions for Hilda surrounding herself with snow. Anyways, uh, snow then is we, dry. <laughs> uh, we also have a tale for the ages. So this card depicts uh, the moment in the story when Kellen and Ruby go back after killing Agatha and there's like a little puppet show about them. And uh, they're the cutest puppets since we had puppet Jace back on arena and also in Ravnica allegiance guilds of Ravnica. One of those, there's a little puppet Jace. It's very cute. Um, uh, Ravnica Ro- allegiance. Cause that Rav- was on a Rakdos card. Uh, then we had Rowan's grim search. So Rowan has gone off uh, to find the answer on her own to all of the problems of Eldraine, because that's who she is. Um, This is depression with a capital D. This is just Rowan being depressed. I know that she's very active and she's out doing things, but she is still depressed. Um, Then eerie interference. It was a ballroom blitz. This is the fight in uh, Ardenvale when Ariette is throwing all of her sleeping nights at Rowan. It's a very fun scene in the story. It's a very fun scene on the card. Um, we then, uh, finish that little interlude with Twisted Fealty as Rowan kneels at the, uh, feet of Ariette, or as I like to call it, family trauma. It's a real thing because Rowan is still dealing with a lot of trauma in her family. Um, it's not settled. Uh, then we get to go back to Kellen in Kindled Heroism. Kellen, you did it, you good boy. He's such a good boy. Um, he, uh, finally gets his little basket hilt uh, hilts going uh, with their magic and power as he's fighting off the ice monsters on their way to Hilda's castle. Uh, But as we know, that doesn't work out super well for Kellen because he gets sleepy and you shouldn't get sleepy and go to sleep when you're that cold. Uh, But break the spell is the next story spotlight as Hilda gives him a little forehead kiss. It's very cute. Um, (laughs) Hilda's a very, Hilda is a good character despite all of the murder. Um, then we got Moment of Valor, which is like, I guess, a story spotlight, because this is when Will's people attack Ardenvale and fight the nightmares that uh, Ashiok made. This one doesn't didn't make a lot of sense to me. It's kind of weird. I think it's like just because they needed um, another card for story spotlights. I don't not super sure why it's in here. Um, and then uh, the last one is Extraordinary Journey as Kellen goes off to find his dad who went out to get cigarettes 16 years ago. Um, we know that that dad is Oka. So. That's Oka. That's just what happened. Oka's just a deadbeat dad. 
Are any of us surprised? Anyone? No. Love. No, love it's Oka, so though. good, though. It's so good. It makes uh, me so happy. I just, yeah, the, the Oko is his dad revelation is great. And it's also just made so much better by the fact that Oko also left. <laughs> like, he didn't even he didn't even attempt raising a son. He just pieced out of there. All right. Uh, we have reached a section where uh, this section is titled Other Stuff. Uh, so we're just going to be talking about cards from the set. Uh, I think it's mostly the main set. There's a couple commander cards here, I think. But um, yeah, this is just going to be uh, kind of uh, quickly going through some uh, other flavor gems. Uh, so we're going to start with Sir Ginger the Meal Ender, our <laughs> uh, legendary artifact creature food knight. Again, I keep saying that Sir Ginger is the first card in Magic the Gathering history to be a character with a legendary card who first appeared in a piece of marketing material. It was gold. <laughs> or gingerbread, whichever you want to say. Um, I love the fact that literally the trailer came out for Throne of Eldraine was so popular that they dedicated an entire slot in the set for a uh -huh. character from it. For an amazing card on top of it. Yeah. I all three abilities here are spectacular. Uh, she has Trample, Hexproof, and Haste as long as her opponent controls a Planeswalker because her she has a grudge against Garak from the trailer. Ah! Uh, <laughs> whenever another artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on Surge, Ginger, and Scry one. Every time a food gets eaten, one of your foods gets eaten, she gets stronger and angrier and rah! <laughs> uh, and then she herself is a food, and if you uh, sacrifice her, you gain life equal to her power. Uh, because the stronger she is, the beefier gingerbread knight she is, uh, the more sustenance you get from devouring her sweet, sweet, spicy flesh. Just perfect. No notes. It just... She's got the gingerbread horse. She's on, like, a tabletop, causing chaos, skewering a grape like it's a head. I it just... so Everything... This is perfect. It's a perfect card. Could not have asked for more. Um, we also have a uh, two cycles of cards. Um, one of them from the main set. This is the Virtue card. These are mythic enchantments that are also adventures. Uh, and they are references to the old courts of the realms, which have kind of fallen into collapse. You know, Ardenvale's overrun with Ariat's sleeping minions. Vantress has the mirror stolen. Castle Lockwain had a whole Phyrexian thing happen. Uh, Yorvo's abandoned Garen Brig and uh, um, Embereth. The, the burning yard at Embereth is still kind of just there. But again, a lot of the, the knights are wandering and trying to fix things. Um, so... The virtue cards are all named after the virtues that each of those knightly groups uh, chased. So uh, in uh, the virtue of loyalty, you seek with Ardenvale Fealty, the adventure card. Uh, you can also see the two ring symbol um, that was uh, about the uh, circle of loyalty. Uh, the virtue of knowledge is paired with Vantress Visions, uh, Virtue of Persistence with Lockwain Scorn, and the Virtue of Courage with Embereth Blaze, and the Virtue of Strength with Garenberg Growth. 
two of those are alliterative and the other three aren't and that bothers me <laughs> but um i think this is this is a really cool cycle of really unique adventure cards that all all do very powerful things too um that kind of play well with the things you want the knights from those courts to be doing um we also got uh we got uh five courts uh so it was a commander legends that had the original court enchantments i think so with monarch yeah, yeah it, it was. uh and, and so we we have a new cycle of those um the Court of Ardenvale, Court of Vantress, Court of Blackwing, Court of Ambereth, Court of Garenbrig. Uh, this is a cycle of enchantments from the Commander decks, um, but I think it's the Commander deck bonus cards. Um, they all deal with the Monarch mechanic, uh, and then they all depict um, the visual symbology of those courts. Uh, so we have the Circle in Ardenvale, the Keyhole for Vantress, the Chalice for Luckwain, uh, the Sword Points pointing into a stone for Embereth and the uh, henge shape for Garenbrig. Um, so all 10 of these cards are just reminding us, hey, it's not all about the fairy tales and the wilds and the night stuff is still there. Um, and that is, uh, that's neat. Uh, we also have, while not one of like the main things, uh, we did have a saga called Three Blind Mice. And I like, so this is adorable. You make a mouse token, right? And then the next two chapters copy a token you control. So you have three mice. Uh, the last chapter is creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and gain vigilance until end of turn. And I'm like, what does that have to do with any? And then you look at the art uh, and realize that the uh, mice uh, all are carrying eyes. They are literally wandering into the villages and stealing people's eyes, which is why you gain vigilance. Uh, and I think that's really cute and adorable and a grim little twist on a little nursery rhyme. Uh, perfect card. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot of very cute cards in this set, and I've got a few that I want to talk about. Uh, one of them being Cursed Courtier, which is uh, the the Frog Prince, kind of. Um, so it is, a, it is a frog that is wearing fine clothes except uh looking very forlorn um i just think it's a really cute card and i wanted to mention it uh i think the gameplay of it is very cute that it is a cursed courtier who is a 3-3 with lifelink human noble um but the art does not pick depict a human it depicts a frog uh and you think a 3-3 for three with lifelink is pretty good but it enters the battlefield with a cursed roll token on it which makes it a 1-1 which is the size of a frog um, so you have to get rid of the cursed roll token if you want to actually be a three three for three with lifelink. Um, uh, I will note uh, mm -hmm. one one is also the size of the conductor of the infinity train. Continue. <laughs> um, the other card I wanted to mention is called Sleight of Hand. I don't know if you've ever heard of this card. Um, for our younger uh, audience out there, uh, Sleight of Hand was originally printed in I think Portal Second Age. Um, it is a, like a, a blue cantrip. It's a pretty long-standing, popular blue cantrip. It's been seeing play for years in various formats. Um, it was reprinted in seventh edition. It was reprinted in ninth edition, and it hasn't been reprinted in like a standard legal set since then. So this is its first time being reprinted into standard since ninth edition. So like, 
That's a long Close time. To 20 years. Yeah. Um, uh, the art for this for this reprint is also incredibly cute. Um, it shows a farmer uh, participating in some sort of street side little, uh, you know, gambling uh, opportunity. And um, there's a little fairy stealing a coin from him. And there's a goose that the farmer is walking on a leash and the goose sees the fairy. And it's very, very cute. Um, the full art for this is incredible. It's Scott Murphy, who is a long, long time, uh, very talented magic artist. Um, and he's threw a lot of details into this piece. But the goose given uh, some like, you know, deadly stare to the fairy flying off with the coin is very cute. Uh, and then less cute, but another really cool callback to some very old cards. Uh, we have Spell Stutter and uh, another card which I clicked away from the thing. Um, uh, we have Spell Stutter and Dream Spoilers. So Spell Stutter is a reference to Spell Stutter Sprite, which was a creature in Lorwyn Block who did what Spell Stutter does, which counters a spell. Uh, and well, similarly, it countered a spell if its mana value was less than or equal to the number of fairies you control when it enters the battlefield. Uh, and this is an instant that counters a spell unless it's controller pays two plus an additional one for each fairy you control. So very similar uh, concept there. Um, and then we also have dream spoilers, which are some fairies that are uh, basically a, a functional, almost functional reprint of a card from Lorwyn Block called Dream Spoiler Witches. So they just kind of copied these old, very uh, iconic fairy spells and put them into uh, some new versions on Eldraine. Um, there's like a slight difference in their mechanical ability, but essentially they work the same as Dream Spoiler Witches did from uh, Lorwyn Block, where enter the battlefield or uh, whenever you cast a spell during an opponent's turn, you give a creature minus one, minus one until end of turn. Um, this time it just only targets opponent's creatures and you get, you know, you may give them minus one, minus one. It's it's just like a slightly different design, but same concept, same name. Yeah, um, I have to talk about Candy Grapple. Okay, so it's it's a candy apple that is attacking someone and fighting, you know, grappling with them. Candy grapple uh, it has the flavor text. Don't you mean poisonous? There's no such thing as a venomous. Ah! <laughs> so I like dumb jokes with layers. Uh, this is referencing both the pedantic argument of poisonous versus venomous. Um, which happens all over the internet and has shown up in a flavor text joke for the secret layer bonus card version of Virulent Sliver. Uh, and it's showing up here specifically because Poison Apple is a specific fairy tale trope. And it's like, don't you mean this is a poison? Like, someone's like, watch out for the venomous apple. And he's like, don't you mean a poisonous apple? Venomous means this other thing. And so the pedantry gets wrapped up in the trope space and he dies anyway because he's getting grappled by the candy. And it's so perfect. Everything about this card is perfect. Um, I think this is one of the big, biggest successes for the text team in this whole set. Whoever did the name and text on this card, I love you so much. I respect you so much. This joke is terrible and perfect. The name is terrible and perfect. God, there are a lot of really good puns in the candy in the set. And uh, this is just the epitome of them all. Uh, five stars. Cannot rate a card higher. 
in name and text than Candy Gravel. Perfect magic card. Oh, I still also have the next one. Uh, <laughs> just a quick little reference to pastel drain cards. Uh, we have Charming Scoundrel, uh, which is a callback to Charming Prince from the previous set. Charms and magic are cheap uh, cheap instants and sorceries that are uh, modal and do three different small things. Uh, so Charming Prince was just a two-mana 2-2 two -two that did three little small effects on ETB. Charming Scoundrel is the exact same thing, but in red, and is kind of mirroring the Charming Prince archetype with the Charming Scoundrel archetype. So, you know, Prince Charming versus, like, a Flint Rider from Tangle. Uh, and that's just cute. That's just a cute callback to a very cute card from the previous set. Yeah, speaking of callbacks to previous cards from the, the previous set, um, another sort of indirect callback, which I thought was very fun, is called The End. Uh, so the previous set had a card called Happily Ever After, um, which, if you remember, uh, Enter the Battlefield made people draw cards and had an effect if everyone had... Uh, more life than they started with. Uh, the end uh, costs less if you have five or less life, um, which is also kind of a throwback to a mechanic called Fateful Hour back from Dark Ascension. So, uh, or like Avacyn Restored, maybe both of them. Not a very Dark Ascension. Dark Ascension, yeah, not a popular mechanic. Um, but I think it's cool. It's got, you know, it comes at the end of your life uh, if it's cheaper, or it's cheaper if it's at the end of your life. Uh, and it exiles creatures or planeswalkers and sort of does a, a memory drain effect on that, removing all of them from, from their deck. Um, but I just thought it was neat to have a card mirroring Happily Ever After. You have The End, which is sort of a ha like much more abrupt way of ending a story, but is also a common way to end a story. Um, and Throne of Eldraine, things were a little happier, and so Happily Ever After made sense. But in this case... This story just says the end and then has a question mark and then dun, dun, dun as area escapes prison. But anyways, um, I just thought that was that was like a really cool way to reference an old card without directly referencing the old card. Yeah, here's the thing. Once upon a time was green. Happily ever after was white. The end is black, which means there is a blue and a red card out there that fit this fairy tale tropey sentence cycle, apparently. Carrie's well, gonna put out a bounty on my head for <laughs> seeding this thought into our listeners. Start asking for the cycle. Make everyone crazy. Do it. Do it. Um, we also have the Huntsman's Redemption, which is another saga in the set. This is the story of the last block, or <laughs> the last Eldraine set. Uh, this is Garrick's redemption from uh, that story, him being cured of the... Uh, the Vale's Curse and helping out Ronan and Will to stop Oko. Uh, and the card does Garrick things. You make his 3-3 beast, you give stuff trample, and you can uh, upgrade your creature into something fancier. Um, at, that's cute. It's just a cute card. It's cool to see a saga that's a direct reference of the previous set's mm -hmm. story. Um, sorry, there's just a cat who yelled right outside my door. Um, but I think he, he knows it's time for us to almost be done. So I'm going to speed through this one. Uh, three bowls of porridge. I couldn't not mention this card. It's a two mana artifact food. Uh, it has two tap. Choose one that hasn't been chosen. Uh, three bowls of porridge deals two damage to target creature. Ah, this porridge is too hot. Uh, tap target creature. Ah, this porridge is too cold. It's, it's almost icy. <laughs> uh, and then... Sacrifice three bowls of porridge, you gain three life. 
which is, you know, just right. So you get to you get to do all three. You get to have all three bowls of porridge. And I, I think it's just like a really good, clever design. This is one of those designs that I think Mark Rosewater said they like designed at the very beginning of vision design and it never changed. Uh, and then we have uh, legendary artifacts. So uh, in the last set uh, in in Eldraine, um, each each of the five castles had an artifact that they chased. There was the uh, the the circle of loyalty and um, Indralon, the magic mirror, and the uh, the chalice of eternity. Cauldron is that what it's called? The cauldron of eternity. Are you sure? Um, yeah. A holy grail, uh, and then <laughs> we had um, the uh, the great henge in Garenbrig. Uh but then we had Embercleave. And Embercleave was supposed to be kind of an Excalibur type thing, but actually the magical artifact that blessed the knights of the Burning Art at Embereth uh, is called the Iron Crag. Uh, and so we didn't quite get all five. Uh, and this set has fixed that because we finally have a card for the Iron Crag. Uh, which is a mana. Ra- this really is just a two mana tap. This is a this is a mind stone. Mm-hmm. This, is, mm-hmm. this is a mana rock that does stuff. I'm actually reading this. <laughs> this is actually not bad. Uh, and so, whenever a legendary creature enters the battlefield under control, you may have the Iron Crag become a legendary equipment artifact named Everflame Heroes Legacy. If you do, it gains equip three, and equipped creature gets plus three, plus three, and loses all other abilities. The Iron Crag loses all other abilities, to be clear. Um, so it just becomes a equip 3 plus 3 plus 3 equipment. Um, and so this is playing into the Sword and the Stone trope, which the Iron Crag was doing anyway, but this is very specifically the sword in the stone instead of there are a bunch of swords in the stone. Um, and seeing, you know, actually finishing what was supposed to be a five card cycle of magical artifacts uh in kind of an oblique way is very neat and again another sweet throwback to a card that was kind of missed in the last set and and fixing that problem in the return all right lastly speaking of the last set uh the commander decks set i think this is one of the bonus cards from the commander's set uh they gave us a card called throne of eldraine they said the thing they did the th- they said the name of the set because the previous set was not just called Eldraine. It was the Throne of Eldraine. So Throne of Eldraine, it's the, the card representing the set. I just I, I'm a sucker for cards named after magic sets. That's it. Um, it does show the Throne of Eldraine uh, being kneeled to by various knights from the courts. Uh, I do have one bone to pick, and it's that they didn't put the knights in Wooburg order. Um, but that's that's neither here nor there. No, 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 no. Sir Ginger has a card. Wooburg does not have a card. <laughs> wow. I'm not even going to explain that joke because I don't want to point people towards those ads. Um, <laughs> so we're going to go right into final thoughts uh, because I would like to finish this episode. <laughs> Me, what if we cut off a bunch of cards from our list? It'll go faster that way, right? Me sitting here looking at us closing in on an hour. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> what a plan. Uh, everyone, go to YouTube and watch Angel's Egg. 
75 minutes. Uh, it is an art house animated film uh, by Oshi and Amano. You will know Oshi from Ghost in the Shell and Amano from goddamn everything. Your magic players out there, so you will know him from uh, the the anime uh, Liliana Dreadhor General. Um, anyway, in the seventies, uh, Oshi and Amano got together and made this weirdo independent film called Angel's Egg. It's seventy five minutes, and I can't tell you what it's about. They also will not tell you what it's about. They're every time people are like, "Hey, what's Angel's Egg about?" They're like, "I don't know. We were just kind of doing stuff." And it's great. It's surreal. Uh, I've heard it described as the uh, Rorschach test of art house animated cinema, where <laughs> everyone who watches it gets something different out of it. Um, it is the biggest animation flex I maybe have ever seen. Unreal detail, unreal movement, absolutely gorgeous, utterly stunningly riveting. In every second. It's so good. Uh, and it's free on YouTube. It's the Angel's Egg. Do it. Watch it. Um, my final thought is that house buying is stressful. And I'm exhausted because I'm not sleeping well because of the stress. So, woo, have fun with it. But yeah, uh, also, uh, Sheldon Memory uh, passed away last week. And... Uh, yeah, he was great, and uh, I believe there's a website where you can share your memories that you may have had with him, maybe at a magic con or something like that. So feel free to to do that if you haven't already done so. Um, but yeah, rest in power, Sheldon. Yeah, Sheldon is one of the people like really big magic names that I had not met, um, and we only ever interacted very briefly on Twitter, I think. But uh, it is it is hard to find people in the magic community who had as much impact and brought as much joy as Sheldon did. Uh, and it has been really hard watching the entire community um, cope with this grief. Um, and I don't know if there's a follow up to that thought, but, you know, it is... There is some comfort in seeing a grieving community be so overwhelmingly positive and supportive of each other and of someone important that they lost. And uh, I would like to think that I lost track of my thought there. I just think it's sad, but also nice in the way that these things can be sad and also nice. Yeah, it's it's reassuring in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, my I don't really have a final thought better than just uh, d sort of thinking about this, too, because I, I'm reading a book. It's called Nevada. It's about a trans woman. It's very good, but I haven't finished it yet, so I don't have thoughts. But um, with Sheldon, the, the thing about Sheldon, this is what like stuck out to me last week when we, we heard of his passing was that. Sheldon is very unusual in the entire larger gaming community sphere um, as being a person who rose to prominence in a positive way, as in it became very popular and well-liked um, within a gaming community 
without being a developer of the game and without being a professional player of the game and without being a professional like creator of some sort of media about the game. Um, Cause Sheldon rose to popularity by being a judge and helping champion a format. And so like, that's just unheard of in like any other gaming sphere that that could happen. Um, and I think magic is particularly unique in the fact that that is a possibility that this person became a well-liked, well-loved community member uh, who was just really well-known simply by being a good guy who played games with people and had a fun time. Uh, and everyone had such good memories of him that eventually he became popular enough to become a game dev and to become a person who made videos and made podcasts and made streams and things like that. Um, but like a good majority of his time rising to to fame and popularity and becoming sort of a household name was just as like a judge of the pro tour and as the person who did commander. And I think that is um, something we should all take away from that is that it's not just about making content. It's not just about being a pro player or being a streamer. Um, really the impact to have the best impact in any community is just to remember that like you need to be nice and do something that people have fun with. And that's what Sheldon did. And then he, um, is now just a name everyone knows. So, uh, rest in peace. It's very sad. We met him, at least I met him briefly in Philly, uh, when we were there and I thought that was a very charming and fun interaction. Um, he said he, he, gave a nod of approval to my rule zero night of the reliquary commander deck. So I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, that's my final thought. Nothing else to say. I don't think I've ever felt shittier being in the position of trying to segue into the, we've already done it. Please give us money. We, we've yeah, already done no, it. Yeah, so we're good. I, I did it earlier. I talked about Patreon earlier, so I'm not going to do it again because it feels crass to do it here. Uh, so with that, I will just say, uh, no, as as fellow content creators in the magic sphere, thank you listeners so much for the support and telling your friends about us. Um, every time I hear a story about someone who has started listening to the Vorthos cast, makes my heart a little warmer. Um, we love making the show. I'm glad so many of y'all love listening to it. Uh, and uh, just thank you for being the best fans in magic. This has been the Vorthos cast.